This recording is a production of Faith Builders. This presentation was recorded at REACH 2013, a conservative Anabaptist ministry convention hosted by Faith Builders on March 14 and 15, 2013. I think we need to start because we need to stop. Uh, living intentionally, making our lives count for the kingdom. Some of the things I want to say are things that you've been hearing, and please don't think that uh, we're copying each other, we're listening to the same Lord. Um, and I'm trusting that you're here, that you're listening to God, and that uh, He'll apply to you what's for you. <clears throat> I'm going to start now. My name is Arthur Nisley. My wife, Lil, is back there. And uh, we've lived in El Salvador for many years. We went in 1985. We knew we were going to have twins. We found out uh, one week before we went that we were going to have twins. Um, I'm unapologetically speaking from a missionary perspective. Um, we love what we do. Um, so that's where I'm coming from. A lot of you know, a lot of you who are 30 years old are worth more than what I am if you're talking about assets, but I wouldn't trade with you. And my dream is that I can plant in your heart that missions, giving your life to people uh, is the most rewarding thing you can do. I'm afraid there's people here who... Or there could be people here who are saying, um, I want to get my two years done, I want to do my BS, and then I'm going to get on with life, and God can't pester me again. If that's your life, if that's your mentality, I guess I can't, I can't help you. But I protest the idea that um, if you give your life to missions, if you listen to God's call, that you have a second-rate life. I protest that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to talk about living intentionally, about doing things on purpose, and about being clearly focused about what we're supposed to do. And I pray that you would be here and that your Holy Spirit would confirm what's for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's talk. My goal for our time together is that we think about our functional goals. You see, at a meeting like this, you can say, oh, uh, this is my goal. My goal is to serve the Lord and to make my life count. But I'm talking about functional goals. How do you live? Does, does the way that you live demonstrate that you have the goals that you say that you do? And then I want you to think carefully and realistically evaluate the, the gifts and opportunities that you have. You're a young person. I'm talking a lot to young people and, and to older people, too. But you have lots of gifts. You have opportunities. Uh, today we heard about the soil of infrastructure, what's been given to you. Uh, you've, you've been given a lot, and you need to be thinking about, what you're going to do, about your responsibility and what you're going to do with those responsibilities. And you need to listen to the Lord. I'm a firm believer that our God, the God of the Bible, is a God who... who wants us to know what he wants us to do. And when we're in the center of his will, it's the best place to be. It's the most fulfilling place to be. Uh, it's where you want to be. I refuse to believe that our God is a God who says, uh, 
Arthur, I know what you ought to do, but I'm not going to tell you. He rather wants you, you to know. Psalm 32 talks about it. It says, uh, don't be a mule. Don't be an animal that has to be forced. Make the right choices and do it for the Lord. And, and please, I don't want to sound proud, but I'm 55 years old, and I don't think I've, I've missed the turns when God said, go this way, when God said, go there. I have the joy of being able to look back at my life and to say, I think I'm where God wants me to be, and I'm hoping to give the rest of my life uh, to, to missions. <clears throat> I had a, a six-and-a-half-year-old daughter who suddenly died of a brain aneurysm, and suddenly we were forced with, well, what are we going to do? Uh, it didn't take us long to decide that we wanted to buy a burial plot in El Salvador, and so we bought four places. That's where I want to die. That's where I, the people God has called me to, uh, that's where I want to make my contribution. <clears throat> so my appeal unapologetically is that you make choices, make careful choices, and that you think about where you want to end up at. My appeal to you, like I say, is a long-term commitment to the cause of Christ. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know where you're at. But please don't buy into the lie that says, if I give my life to missions, it's second rate. If I give my life, mm, I'm going to miss out. I go back to Kansas where I grew up, and all of my peers have financial empires. I don't have that, and I'll never be worth very much. But I have quality of life. I have uh, satisfaction of life. I am where I want to be. And I just am saying... Uh, if you choose to serve God, if you choose to uh, missions, if you choose to give your life to missions, you're, it's not a second-rate thing. And here my plea is long-term missions really is where it's at. Uh, we talked about avoiding burnout yesterday. But if we live carefully, we can make long-term contributions. And each year, the person is able to make a bigger contribution. How many of you would be satisfied, you who are businessmen, how many of you would be satisfied with a, a turnover every two years? Isn't it true that your people learn uh, what to do and learn how to do it, and they're more valuable at the end of two years, and, and it just keeps growing, and they keep learning, and they keep getting more and more jobs, and they keep being able to do more and more things? I've been on the mission field for more than 25 years, and... There's so many things that I have to do because there's nobody else that knows how to do it. And for me to train somebody that's a two-year person who's going to then end up and leave and I get the job back again, sometimes I just go ahead and do that. But please don't think, okay, I did my two years, Lord. Uh, I'm free. I'm making a plea for a long-term contribution, a long-term commitment where your value, your contribution keeps going and going and going. So what's important to God? Jesus came on the cross, came to earth, he died on the cross. Have you thought about why? Because God cares about people, and God is, is intently desirous to have people be restored to relationship with him. That's what God wants. That's his heart. Um, I like to ask, when I preach on the street, I like to ask, how many of you would give the life of your son for people who don't appreciate it? 
I hang my head and I say, I'm not willing to do that. But the God of the Bible was willing to do that. And I ask you the next question. Would you allow your son to die if it didn't have to be? Of course not. Uh, but God really does care. The, the, the Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We ought to know what God wants to see happen, and we ought to figure out what our part is. Like I said, I'm unapologetically talking from a missionary perspective, but if your part is to be a sender, that's okay if you've listened to the Lord. But please don't try to stop your ears and say that unless the Lord stops me like he did Balaam, that I'm, this is the way I'm going to go. You ought to be saying, I need to hear from God to know whether I'm going to stay, on the, uh, stay at home or whether I'm going to stay in the field or whether I'm going to go to the field. You should never say, I was able to, uh, to avoid hearing the Lord and so ah, I get to stay. And I'm talking to young people because you're at a strategic time. There's a lot of young people here uh, and it really is important. The Great Commission. Go into all the world. We've been hearing about that. And I celebrate all the things that have been heard, that we've been hearing. It really is an integral part. Uh, Jay Irvin Fox talked about it last night. You can't just say, we're Mennonites, but that part, that's part of the all things that we're not interested in. We can't say that. One of God's intentions, it's said both in Hebrews and Romans, it says that, G that God wants many sons, many brothers of Jesus to be with him in glory. Uh, and I want to be there. We get the chance of being on the team. Do you ever think about that? God could do it by himself. God could put uh, big screens in the skies. He could have, have angels preach. They are going to preach at one time. Uh, at least that's the idea we get from, from the book of Revelation. But God could have done it by himself. But he knew the way we had made us, and he wanted to let you and me be a part of the team. I'm excited. I want to be a part of the team. God designed you and placed you here and now for a reason. One more thing I wanted to say before I get there. Helping you find your place, helping you find what you're good at and where God wants you to be is the most important thing that you can do in life. Please don't be satisfied with my dad's business. I'm just going to do what... I'm going to become a part of the family business. If that's what God wants you to do, then wonderful. But please don't assume that. Please listen carefully to the Lord. Uh, you see, there's more than 40 ministries here, and they're all crying for people. You see, money is not a big deal, but it's people that are the hardest thing to come by. Um, I've had the privilege of being a part of a children's home getting started and sit, watching a deaf ministry. And in both of those situations, I'm enough of a logical thinker. I said, mm, this isn't reasonable. This isn't possible. But when I saw the people coming forward and saying, when I saw Misael Aguilar and Gustavo Burgos saying, this is what I want to do with my life. This is what I'm giving my life to. Then I said, okay. If we have people the rest is going to come. Uh, Natanel Aguilar was somebody who had a vision, who wanted to start a deaf ministry in El Salvador. 
And I got to be a part of the team to send him to Belize and to help him get started. But you see, if you have people, then we can go all kinds of places. But you can't just throw money around and make things happen because you have to have people. Right now, to just now at noon, I was talking with somebody and I was saying, he was asking me, what are you thinking about doing this in El Salvador? And I said, it's a good deal. We ought to be doing it, but we don't have the people that we need. and We need somebody that can do just that. So people is what we need. And it's easier for us to send money. But I'm asking, might it be possible that that God is asking you to go? I want you to think about that. Psalm 139 says that God designed your body and your brain. He gave you, he made you just the way that you are. He placed you where you're at, and you're as old as you are right now in the year 2013. And God is saying, God placed you here strategically. You had the infrastructure that we talked about this morning, and so what are you going to do about it? Um, and I want to say your toughest hurdle, the thing that you're struggling with, whether if it's been uh, a rough home life, if it's been uh, a, a speech impediment, if it's uh, a language, if it's whatever it is that, that you say, this, this is what's keeping me back, this is, this is it's holding me back. I want to say that can be your biggest challenge, and it can be a part of your life message. First Peter 1, 3, and 4 even suggests that God gives additional resources to the people who have life the hardest. That's the verse that's where God promises, where Peter says God's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. That's not just for the people who have good infra- infrastructure. It's not just for the people who, ha- who grew up in a safe home, uh, in a good stable home. It's talking about that's across the boards. The people who are hurt the most, God's given the most stuff for them to be able to rise above that. So what are you going to do with the gifts that God's given you? Youth, as I was thinking about living intentionally, my thoughts went to young people and saying, right now is a strategic time. Your life is ahead of you. You haven't made lots of choices. I'm 55, and when I hear the things about the 1040 window, we're going to talk about that, and new places to go, my heart says, that's where I want to go. But I'm 55, and I know where I'm supposed to stay. I, I have a clear vision. I know that, where I'm going. When I was thinking these kinds of thoughts in the late 70s, Uh, I didn't have options. I didn't know the things that you're learning today. There weren't 40 ministries where I could choose from and I could think about. But you're here, and you're watching, looking at those booths, and you're thinking, so what am I supposed to do with this? My prayer is that you're going to be listening to God and that God will stir you, and you'll say, this is a good idea, that's another good idea, but it's this one. This is where I feel my heart stirred and where I say, Yes, this is me. This, this fits the gifts that God has given me. That's what I want to do with my life. So I'm saying, even though you're 16, even though you're 18, even though you're 20 or 25, you're at that strategic time of planning, and what are you going to do with your life? And so I'm saying, please, don't just coast. Don't just look around and see what other people are doing. Think strategically. And if you, if you make the mistake of saying, I'm just 20, 
this thing about what I'm going to do with my life, that's for later. You're making a decision. I'm pleading with you to pay attention and to think carefully about where you're going. Even if you're young, even if you're in high school or wherever you're at, even if you're still studying, but, but be thinking about where you're going and, and buy the books and, and do the reading and, and, and meet the people. Go to the places that will help you end up where you want to be. That's what you need to be doing right now. You see, there's uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 talks about sin and talks about weights. We all know about sin. Sin is something that can disqualify you. And if you keep meddling with it, if you keep messing with it, you can get disqualified to where your privilege, the opportunity of being part of the team, that's not, not you anymore. But the Bible also talks about weights, things that they're not bad things. But I remember so well the words that I heard years ago, and those keep ringing in my ears. Others may, but you cannot because you know where you're going. That's what you've got to do. You, you, when you think about there's there's lots of side trips, there's detours, there's weights, there's landmines, there's things that you could do, um, maybe not bad things. You'll never get kicked out of church if you do them. But I'm saying, please think carefully about what you're going to do with your life. Because every time you get to a why, it's like, okay, I'm going to go this way. Uh, if you see that you made a wrong choice, maybe you can back up, but you, you'll lose a lot of time. And maybe you can't back up. Those whys I have up there, um, I'm guessing what, might be, what it might be for you. And, and I'm thinking young people. And if you're an older person here and you're uh, saying, well, I guess this doesn't apply to me. I guess, guess I came to the wrong uh, workshop. Uh, probably not. If you're here, I think God wants you to be here. But join me in pleading with young people to not take the easy way, to not go the way of least resistance, uh, consumer debt, instant gratification, uh, Video games, uh, cell phone games. Uh, there's so many things that you could do that really aren't bad, I guess, but they, they waste your time and they keep you from going where God wants you to go. There's people who get involved in business and then say, sounds like a good idea. Maybe I should have done that, but this is where I'm at. And so here again, I'm thinking missionary, and if this isn't you, that's okay. But I'm just saying, please, if you're a young person, don't, don't get yourself tied down with being sure that that's where you're supposed to be. Uh, don't get married to somebody that doesn't share your values. I know I'm talking bluntly, but how many people stay from the field because their spouse doesn't have those values. Please think about where you want to go and talk about these things and say, are we together? Is, is this where we're going? Or aren't we made for each other? And I'm just going to say that if you think the money that's in your bank account, if God has given you the means, if you think that money is for you and you get to figure out what to do with it, it's a very dangerous place to be. My plea is that you think carefully and that you 
uh, use that stuff for the kingdom. When you have a clearly defined goal, it helps you to make wise choices. We stand a much greater chance of reaching our goal if we keep reminding ourselves of what we're doing. I'm going to share a story that I'm ashamed of. I was in El Salvador um, several years. I saw that my brothers and sisters needed jobs, started thinking, and uh, for me, I thought about it for a long time, and I did research and I practiced on alfalfa sprouts. Don't ask me why I went there, but I thought that could be a job for somebody. And if God leads you to grow alfalfa sprouts, that's fine. But that would have been a detour. That would have been going where I shouldn't have been going. And so my prayer is that you'll keep, if you know where you're supposed to go, keep that there in front of you. Put a sign up on your bedroom wall or something and say, this is where I'm going. I want to make the right choices so that I end up where I'm at, where I'm, so I go to the right place. Answer the why question. Why am I here? What do I need to do? What, what is God calling me to do? And then make steps. So what happens if you don't live intentionally? The easy, hard will catch up with you. I don't know who gave me this idea, but it's an idea that I talk about a lot. You can choose the easy way today, but the consequences of the easy way will catch up with you. If you just say, I don't, I'm not going to think about those things. I'm just going to go the easy way. I'm going to do what's easiest. If, if the easiest thing is to sleep in, if the easiest thing is to do what the rest of the people are doing, if that's you, if that's the easiest way, you can do that. You can take the easiest way, but it's going to catch up with you. Halfway through life, you're going to grow up, you're going to suddenly wake up and realize that you're reaping the consequences of those, that mistake that you made. It'd be so much wiser for you to have a disciplined life and to say, you know what? Because of where God is calling me to go, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to let myself get sidetracked. I'm not going to pay attention to what other people are going to do. I'm going to make my life count for God. And it's that discipline that's saying, sure, other people can do that. I'm not going to judge them, but my calling, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not going to get sidetracked. If you do that then you're going to be able to look back on your life when you're 40, 50, 60 years old, and you're going to be reaping the consequences of those right choices. And that's delightful to be able to look back and to see that God is using you. If you don't choose to live intentionally, you'll probably bite for our enemy's imitations. Our enemy is really good at making stuff look attractive. If you're not thinking clearly about where you're going, you're going to to bite into things. You're going to... uh, accept things. You're going to say, well, that's not too bad. You're going to copy someone else's wrong choices. You're going to be swept away with the opposition, the resistance, the mockery. You could easily be, if you're really serious about serving God, you could easily be made fun of by your peers. What are you going to do? Can you handle that? I hope you can. And if you don't live intentionally, you won't reach your highest potential for the Lord you will have regrets. Two quotes. A fool takes the easy road and is okay with wherever that ends up at. A wise person thinks carefully about where he's going and he says, this is where I want to go, so this is the road I take to get there. This is a a quote I picked up just the other day. Look at it. Success is nothing more than a few simple disciplines practiced every day. 
While failure is simply a few errors in judgment repeated every day. It is the accumulative weight of our decisions and our judgments that lead us to either fortune or failure. These are two phrases I want you to think about. Incremental growth. Incremental growth means that you are taking small steps, but you're going the right way. Small steps, but you're going the right way. I remember reading one time that you can get good, I suppose there's limitations, but you can get pretty good at a lot of stuff if you focus on it for five years. And I thought, you know, that's pretty interesting. But it's because you said, this is where I'm going, and you've kept going. The other idea is redeeming the time. The idea is... There's blocks of time when you have to work, when you have to sleep, when you have to eat. But then there's that time when you, it's the discretionary time. It's the time when you decide what you're going to do with it. And you can lie in your hammock. I guess you don't have hammocks. But you can take it easy. You can, you can be amused. You can watch you can turn off your brain, which is what happens when you watch TV or, or look at movies. You can, you can turn, turn off your brain or you can do the hard work of saying, no, that's not where I'm going. I'm going to use the time that I have to go where I want God, where God wants me to go. Then look at what Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 6. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Just quickly want to notice several things. Moth, rust. Moth is insects. Rust is just rust. And then thieves is people taking it away from me. There's three things that can happen, those three groups. If you have your treasure, if you have stuff, if you have things... You can lose it. And Jesus says, don't put your treasure here because you could lose it. What you ought to do is to transfer your money, transfer your assets to heaven. Because if you do that, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Think with me. I'm going to go to El Salvador tomorrow morning. But think with me that you were going to go, I invited you to go along. And this was a for-life kind of thing. And your house, your car, all that stuff you can't take with you. You could drive it down, but for this story, you can't. Uh, so what do you do? You sell it and transfer it to your bank account when you get there. That's what it's saying. How do you lay up treasures in heaven? If you look at the Bible, it's, it clearly says that what you give to poor people, what you give to, to the Lord and His work, and the things that you do, the cup of cold water that you give to someone else, it's from me to other people and to the Lord's work. And where does it go? It goes to your account in heaven. That's what the Bible says. And the more you do that, the more your heart will not be tied down, rooted here, and the more it will be where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So Jesus says, you know, I understand you want treasures. 
I want you to have treasures, but I want you to have secure treasures. I want you to have treasures that when you look back and when you're on your deathbed, you won't regret and say, I wish I'd have done some things different. And you won't regret all the, all the assets that you've transferred to your account in heaven by giving to the Lord, by helping poor people, and by doing things, by giving cold water. So practical time management, this is kind of where I thought I was going to go, and then uh, the Lord guided me to, to talk about being missionaries. You know, you just you can't do everything. What you have to say, saying yes to one thing means that I have to say no to something else. You are here today in this workshop. You said yes to this workshop, but by, by coming here you said no to a lot of other stuff. That's just the way it is. You're limited. You can't be in more than one place at a time. And so just, just think. You, you, you can't be everything for everybody. You're not good at everything. You ought to be concentrating on what you're good at. So often we, we focus on our, the things our children aren't very good at, and we hammer away at that. There's a really interesting book. Uh, it's a book called Strengths Finder. 2.0. It's a book you ought to read. It talks about discovering what you're good at and focusing on that. Uh, GTD, Getting Things Done, David Allen. It's an interesting book. It's been helpful. He says, you all have a mental list in your head of things that you're trying to do uh, and you're kind of halfway worried that you're going to forget. And because you have that mental list in your head, you don't have much computing power to really think and to concentrate. Get that list out of your head onto a piece of paper or into something that you can trust, and then you can focus on what the task at hand. And the other idea I learned from David Allen is any multitask assignment is made into a project. A lot of us procrastinate on the things that we ought to be doing. I'm talking about the everyday things. We procrastinate because it's... It's too big a job. Just for example, uh, taking the car to the shop. Well, you can have that on your list of things to do for a long time. But if you say, okay, what do I need to do? Well, I need to call the shop. I need to make an appointment. I need to decide what I'm going to do the day that I don't have that. And when you do those things and then break it up, and pretty soon you're going to start to be able to walk through that. Then plan for regular times of review, reflection, and planning. Ask yourself, how am I doing? Am I getting the, to where I want to go? Am I making progress to reaching my goals? What do I need to do differently? Jesus is the best person that there can be. He was a master at being focused on what he wanted to do and not getting sidetracked. Read the biographies of great men and see how they did it. Look for a mentor. I don't think we do this enough. You ought to be looking for somebody that's a couple steps ahead of you and say, teach me. I really will listen. Uh, give me some books. Tell me what to read. I want to become good. I want to learn what, what I can from you. And this is something we learned from Steve Covey. Uh, the language isn't his, but the idea is. He says, uh, habit number two is start with the end in mind. He talks about the idea of, of your own funeral. And he says, think about what you want the people at the funeral to say about you, what you want your spouse to say, what you want your fellow workers to say, what you want the folks at church to say, and then think, okay, 
So that really are your values. Do you think about that? Do that once you get home. Think about what it is you want people to say about you when you're, when you're dead. And then say, okay, I'm 20 years old now. I'm 30 years old, 40 years old. So what do I need to do to get there from here? It's a really good, really good thing to do. And learning to, appro- uh, to, uh, learning to uh, delegate appropriately. I want to tell you, tell you two stories. And here again, I'm thinking about young people. The two stories are the student volunteer mo- movement. It started in 1886. There was 251 students that D.L. Moody invited to a month-long Bible study. First there was 21 and then 100 in that group. It, there was young people. Interesting. There was, there was young people who had a sense that this is something that God wants to see happen, that missions become a focus. And so they were praying. And first there was 21 and then there was 100 people of that, out of that group of 251 who said, I think God, I'm willing and desirous, God permitting to become foreign missionaries. And so out of that first group of 100, um, within two years' time, there was 5,000 students who signed the pledge who said, I want to become a long-term missionary. That's the first story I want to tell you. The second story I'm telling you is about the Urbana Missions Conference. I thought about this being a Mennonite Urbana I don't know if you know about Urbana. Urbana is uh, started in 1946. There was 575 students there the first time. Um, and most recently, it happens every three years. It's around uh, between Christmas and New Year's. It's five days. It's a missions conference. Between 15 and 20,000 people attend that conference. In 2012, there was 4,224 students that said, I want to make at least a two-year commitment to, to, to missions. You can say what you want to about these people. Not all of them are, of, are in a Baptist faith. Maybe most of them aren't. I attended one many years ago. But uh, these stories do illustrate the power of young people making kingdom choices. The 1040 window, we've been talking about that. Uh, like you can see, those of you who weren't in Alan Ross class, uh, It's, a, it's an area, it's an imaginary area between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north from the edge of Africa all the way to, to uh, Japan. It's mostly Muslims, it's Hindus, it's Buddhists and animists. It's more than half of the world's population. I heard people say it's more than two-thirds of the world's population. It's 95% un- unevangelized. They're the hardest people to, to reach, but we ought to try. The Bible says we should, we should be willing, do everything we can so that all people may go, may know. Now, I want to ask you a question. What do you think when you um, read the story about another suicide bomber who blew himself up in order to kill other people for his cause? I think how tragic... They do it to kill people. We ought to be willing. Alan Roth said it well. We're willing to be sacrificial people. And I think we ought to be willing. We ought to be thinking about this. Why is it that so many people are willing to die to kill people when we ought to, when we have the heritage of being, we ought to be willing to put our lives on the line and to say, it's not going to be easy. Uh, 
I might not make it. I might not be able to last that long. But I'm going to do it because the Lord demands it. Reach 2013. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God would use this conference to move people into the harvest before the ripe fruit falls off into a Christless eternity? Like I said, there's more than 40 mission organizations here. They're looking for good, long-term people. And if God calls you to two years and then going somewhere else, may the Lord bless you. But please don't think that if you give yourself to long-term missions that you're going to suffer, that it's going to be not good. I know that some of you young people are here saying, yeah, but that mission organization is an old mission organization and the way they do things is not the way that we're learning how to do stuff now. You can be cynical. But I think there's all kinds of openness to reaching out and to partnering with God and to starting new organizations to reach out to these people. The organization that I work for, Amish Minute Aid, probably won't go to the Middle East. And you can, you can be critical of this organization or of that organization. But I'd like to say, why be critical? Why be cynical? Why don't you listen to God and why don't you say, God, I want to make a difference? And God can guide you. All we need, like the Marines, is a few good men who are willing to make their lives count for God. So what should you do with your life? I think you should evaluate what you're doing, what you're going to do with your life. I think you should be thinking, uh, like I said earlier, if you can't go to the front lines, if you can't be a missionary, you can be a part of the battle here if you choose to. I mean, saying, rise to the challenge. Make your life count for God. Please don't get caught in the spider web of the great American dream. Pray hard, listen well. God will show you. Uh, I protest that God doesn't want to, t to show me. I, I think God wants to, to, to show us. And here I want to say prepare well. Back in the, the uh, late 70s and early 80s when I was making these choices, I didn't have the options that you folks have. There's all kinds of places to learn and to prepare uh, under the, under, um, under the Anabaptist umbrella. Prepare carefully. Prepare well. When I see young people, I went to the field without very much training, and I've had to learn on the field, and it's been hard. Uh, I'm all in favor of you continuing to learn and to prepare before you go. But go through the open doors. Accept the opportunities. Be willing to learn by doing rather than having to know before you start. This is maybe the most important thing I can tell you. I want to tell you a story. For t more than 20 years, I thought street preaching ought to be something that I should do, but nobody showed me how, and I didn't quite know what I should do until something happened. Someone pushed me into that, and now I learned that I don't have to know how before I start. Can you go like this and say, okay, now I know how to swim? I don't think so. Give, I want to give you permission. I want to give you the permission that I was given to learn by doing. And sure, you're going to make mistakes, but I'm learning. 
and get involved. Get your feet wet. And don't make the mistake that I did. For 20 years, I thought street ministry was something that I ought to do, but I didn't do because nobody showed me how. And now I learned that I can learn by, by doing. And those of you who spend big bucks for extreme sports to get a high out of the adrenaline rush, street ministry is a whole lot cheaper and a whole lot better and a whole, and a whole lot, yeah. Get to the end of the road without regrets. Be part of a team that's gathered around the throne of all nations, peoples, tongues, worshiping the Lamb. You're going to enjoy heaven more if you've been a part of the battle and if there's people there because you were involved in the battle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's older people here. There's younger people here. There's still a lot of people that don't know you and that have never had the chance. Many of us are being exposed, being bombarded by opportunities, by ideas. We've been sheltered. We've been content to raise our children for you. And that's not bad, but we've been content to raise our children and to not think about the people that don't know you. Forgive us. Father, we want to be willing to listen to you. We want to be willing to be part of the infrastructure so that other people can go. We want to be part of the, of the team if, if it's business so that I can live simply and give more or if I should be going. My request, Heavenly Father, is that you will speak clearly so that people can hear, so that people can understand, and uh, that you will stir hearts to rise to the challenge of being clearly focused and knowing where I'm supposed to go. And even though the doors aren't open yet, I'm going to be preparing because when I'm ready, the doors will open. May that be our experience. May we experience joy in service because we're in the part of the greatest enterprise there is of helping people to be reconciled to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This recording and many others are available through Christian Learning Resource, the campus bookstore at Faith Builders Educational Programs. Order online at www.christianlearning.org or call 877-222-4769.